0: The and Pearls podcast and on this episode we will discuss the upcoming election and the importance of voting with our special guests Patricia Williamson and Aaron Green. You know we've all been dealing with a lot of change lately from the outrage to despair and the protest seeking racial justice to this historic life-altering pandemic all of which has literally turned all of our lives upside down. Now compound all that with this upcoming election and whoo We got a lot of heavy stuff to cover, a lot to do, don't give up, we must persevere.
1: Today we have two special guests with us and I am so excited that they're here today and I'd like to share a little bit about them. So we have Patricia Williamson and Patricia is the New Jersey Counts Project Director at the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice. She is leading the Institute's work to ensure that there is a complete and accurate count of New Jersey's urban communities in the 2020 Census. Patricia is also part of the Census 2020 New Jersey Coalition and is convening a sub-coalition of African-American community-based organizations, nonprofits, and institutions. In addition, Patricia is the new Eastern Region Social Action Committee co-chair of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She will be leading the advocacy arm of the regional sorority chapters between Maine and Washington, D.C., the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Germany. Patricia represents the New Jersey chapters of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated on the board of directors of the New Jersey Black Issues Convention. She is also a director on the League of Women Voters New Jersey Board of Directors. Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to share a little bit more? I know I said a lot. And congratulations on your new appointment within Delta Sigma Theta. Thank you for having me, Erica. Oh, thank you so much. I,
2: I really appreciate that. I The only thing I will add, since we all know that the census has come to an abrupt close, is that I'm wrapping up what I'm doing as the uh, census project director and I'm focused now on get out the vote for the uh, New Jersey Institute for Social Justice.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much and thanks for being with us today. I'd like to share a little bit about Aaron. Aaron is a native of Orangeburg, South Carolina, is a 2019 graduate of the University of South Carolina School of Law. And while in law school, he served as president of the Matthew J. Perry chapter of the National Black Law Students. In the summer of 2018, Aaron was an Ella Baker legal intern at the Center for Constitutional Rights in Manhattan, New York City. Currently, Aaron serves as associate counsel at the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice in Newark, New Jersey. Aaron's work focuses on voting rights and civic engagement under the Institute's democracy and justice pillar. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this conversation.
1: Oh, we're glad that you're joining us in the conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today about yourself?
3: Uh, briefly, I'll just share that um, during my last year of Law Squad, I also was a national coordinator for the and Vote movement. which uh, law students across the country. We um, we were involved in some grassroots efforts in Washington D.C., Arkansas, uh, Vermont, all across the country, and it was a very eye-opening experience. Uh, just hearing from uh, voters and seeing their experience and how that uh, plays into um, people actually casting their vote or feeling like their vote matters. So that was a, that was a mm-hmm. very eye-opening experience for me. Oh!
1: Oh! Wow! Fantastic! Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you both. I am excited that you're both with us and we're going to jump right in and get started. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Patricia, I'm going to start with you. And my first question is, how have things changed from your perspective, from a voting perspective, in light of the George Floyd murder? Have there been, you know, a heightened focus, a new level of urgency as it pertains to voting? Uh,
2: yes, uh, that's a great question. I, I think the death of George Floyd really allowed America to see the cracks of structural racism, and not just African Americans. And it became really necessary for us to focus on civic engagement and say, what are we, what do we do now, what do we do with this? And a lot of people outside of the African-American race started to ask the same questions. And in terms of civic engagement, and ter- of course, we saw a lot of protesting. We still see some protesting. Uh, in addition to that, some of the things that we need to, to do within the current system, one of them was taking the census, which we do hope that many were able to do to bring the funding back to their community. And then the second portion was to vote. Because that's where we are really able to make a lot of difference. And as an example, the, as, a, as a result of the death of George Floyd, Minneapolis agreed to ban the use of chokeholds. And mm-hmm. in New Jersey, the attorney general issued guidance banning chokeholds except when deadly force is necessary. But we still need to make it into a law. And so the way you do that is through legislators, right? And so legislators are the people that you vote in or essentially vote out. And we need to be able, anytime we say we want to advocate and we want to talk to people uh, that are making the laws, before that, we should vote for the people that are the closest to our value system. And I think that's something that a lot of people – um, don't realize until they're trying to talk to people that do not have that value system. So that's one of the things that we really need to talk about is who who is on the ballot besides the president mm-hmm. and making some of the laws that we're following here in the state.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, what's really important, uh, you know, after all these really disturbing events have occurred, You know, it feels like when the governors and mayors come out with suggestions, but it really is just, that's it. It's just a suggestion until it's legislated and mandated that this is the way forward. So I think it's great that they say this is bad and, you know, police stop doing that. But it's like, stop doing that. But they can still do it with no repercussions, basically. That's what it is. So I think it's like it's really important for everyone to understand is that when you vote, and we'll get to this, it's just not the presidential election. It's every single election. Your civic responsibility is just not a one-time thing every four years. Your civic responsibility is every election. At every level, and I'm not just, just talking about senators and your House of Representatives. I'm talking about board of ed, your mayors, your your town councils, your sheriffs,
1: your attorney general, your attorney Let's general. Let's think about what's happening in in Kentucky. Kentucky right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. so it's
0: it's much bigger than that. And I'll get off my soapbox <laughs> and let Aaron jump in.
3: Yes, um, that's a really good question, and um, you know I don't have too much to add to what Patricia laid out, I'm specifically just reflecting on. One after the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and uh, many others, uh, I I witnessed, you know, we witnessed millions of people take to the streets. um, And more importantly, we saw people doing it in their communities, right? Um, You know, really making changes. We saw a lot of changes in a few weeks at a city council level, at a school board level, right? When uh, you had advocates, uh, you know, pushing to remove uh, police from schools. Um, And those are some of the things that we were not seeing, right, collectively over the past couple of years. But I think what is awakening in many people's conscience is to understand that, uh, yes, you know, um, the, the presidential election is coming up. But a lot of these issues that we, we deal with on a daily basis are at a local level. And uh, if we want to see changes, um, we have to be able to organize um, and make changes in our community. I remember and actually this is pretty interesting. We're having discussion today because I had um a, a pretty powerful discussion with my friends yesterday and they asked you know what can we be doing and you know and i said you know one of the things that we have to get out of our mindset at times is to think so grand and big like you know you look back at history and it's always these key figures that were always lifted up um instead of looking at the collective movement right there were so many people um involved in the civil rights movement there are so many people involved in the abolitionist movement and what we saw during that example is that everything pushed from the ground up. We have this saying at the Institute, from the ground up. Um, you look at Selma, right, 600-foot soldiers that changed the, the the conditions of voting rights, right, in this country. Um, there's so many examples of that, that people um, getting connected in the community, starting at a small level and connecting the issues that they're seeing in the community and saying, hey, we have the power to change this, right? We It's our taxpayer money that's being uh, determined by the city council and how that's dispersed throughout the community, right? It's our taxpayer money that's being dispersed at the state level, state legislators. And I think as as we get more close to our community and what we saw this year, I feel so encouraged uh, because I believe that's the way we're going to make change. Um, It's not just looking at what's going on in the White House or in Washington, D.C., but what's going on down the street in our communities. And how can we be making an impact at a local level um, to effect change that we hope will connect across the country?
0: You know, that that is, you know, you you touched on history. You touched on the Civil Rights Movement. You know, you we all remember the baby boomers protested throughout the Civil Rights Movement. And you know what happened? Two historic acts, the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And if you need more proof, for us 70s babies, um, the environmental advocates launched this campaign to raise awareness about the Dirty Dozen.
1: Have you ever heard of Dirty Dozen? I have not heard about them. So Tell check this out.
0: Them. There's There were 12 senators that were the most anti-environment that were heavily lobbied across all the other senators. And we went out to oust them. They oust seven of those, um, those uh, senators out of the Senate. And it, resulting from that, congress is able to create the clean air act of 1970 oh oh and the clean water act of 1972 but wait for it you know what came out of that movement the environmental protection agency the epa the benefits which today cannot even be overstated and you know history tells us something we know what we need to do protest and vote knowledgeably up and down the ballot every ballot Every election, from the ground up, Aaron said it best.
1: No, no, I totally agree, and and it is about being educated, and it is about being knowledgeable. I'll tell you, um, I I recently voted, and I think this was the year that I looked the hardest at school board. Um, I don't have children, but I know that there is an impact that's being made in my community by not being educated. So thank you, uh, Patricia and Aaron, for your your excellent excellent responses. So. My next question, and Aaron, I'll start with you. It's you know, what what's at stake for us? Like, what makes what makes this vote more important than any other that we've had before?
3: Well, I think what's important. The best way to frame this is that I think that uh, uh, election day is going to kind of set the example of what we're going to see following election day, um, because we are in a critical time, right? We have the COVID pandemic, um, but beyond that, we're in a Uh, Great Depression, economically, right? Eight million people have gone into poverty the past few months. Uh, Before COVID, the Black median wealth was projected to be zero by 2053. And uh, the Institute recently released a report uh, this week, um, my colleague, Dr. Sullivan, and showed that the Black wealth, median wealth for a Black individual or a Latinx individual in New Jersey is $179. So we are critical. We are at a critical moment in our history. And what's important is that we're going to have to have people that are engaged not only on November 30 election day, but every single day, uh, because we are reaching a critical moment in our history to say that are we going to have what 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 is our what is this country going to look like in 20 or 30 years? What are we giving to the next generation? Right. And that is what, uh, as I mentioned before, looking at the example of the past, we have many people fighting for a life that they would never see. Right. And when we're pushing for like the Institute, when we're talking about reparations task force, what's important about voting, as Patricia talked about, is that not only are you voting, but you're holding people accountable so that we can push things forward. Because we need reparations. We need universal basic income. We need, um, you know, health care and different policies like that. The only way we're going to get that is if we have many people as, as involved and civically engaged. As possible. And it does not necessarily take millions of people every day, right? Because you understand that when we're, when we're testifying in front of the, the state legislator, that's during the week. Everybody can't, you know, be there, be available. But if we have people that are in tune, a couple hundred, a couple thousand that can show up um, when these bills are being pushed and campaign. Like for instance, when we see these campaigns for presidential candidates, we see billions of dollars. We see people knocking on doors. We need to build, we need to have campaigns like that for our issues, right? we talk about economics and we talk about all the disparities that we see. We talk about the criminal justice system in New Jersey, 62% African-American. A black child is 21 21 times more likely than a white child to be incarcerated. We need to build campaigns that are pushing our issues so that it's important that we vote on election day, but we have to have strategies in place November fourth, November fifth, next year, and I think that with this election and what I am seeing, what's positive is that we're having an extreme turnout. We're beating some of the turnouts that we've seen before with early voting. What over fifty million people have already casted a ballot, um, and we still have a, we still have about ten nine or ten days to go before election day. So I am motivated and inspired to see that, but I'm just hoping that people understand that this is a fight, and this is going to be the moment uh, for our generation. And as we look at history. I think the question for us is, uh, or the thing to think about is, when we look at history, we learn from that history, we value that history, but the question is, what history are we going to make during our generation? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah, P- Patricia, what what are your thoughts? I, whew, I don't even want to add to that. that
2: <laughs> and, every every note I had, er, Aaron Aaron has <laughs> has stated it very very well. So um, it <laughs> there's really not a lot more to say except that it is truly urgent, and I. I totally um, agree that the strategies must continue beyond election day. Uh, just all, all of the different issues that Aaron has has mentioned, we focus on those at the institute, and uh, there's there's a. Uh, there's an there's an article there there's a brochure that we created called Ten Ways to Do Racial Justice Advocacy after you say Black Lives Matter. And most of them we've already mentioned uh, through the course of this podcast. And we really just want to make sure that the strategies are there for people to continue these struggles after election day and until until justice is served.
1: Indeed. Yep. My mind is blown by that statistic about the median income. I, let me make sure I heard it right. Did you say Aaron a hundred and seventy nine dollars? Did is that what you yes, said?
3: for a black individual, and for, wow. a, white, and for a white individual, it is um, one hundred and. I believe 109,000, 106,000, 106,000 compared to 107. Yeah. Our, our colleague, Dr. Laura Sullivan has done an incredible job. She released uh, this uh, document uh, this, this past week that shows that yeah. $179, $179.
1: Yeah. My mind is blown.
0: Yeah. That's that. That's crazy. You know, but what I really want everyone to understand, and I think we do is that the voting booth is a great equalizer. The one place we are all equal. And I, and I tell my friends um, who are kind of on the fence, which pisses me off, but we'll talk. That's another thing. Um, <laughs> is that voting? I tell them voting isn't like marriage, it's like public transportation. You are not waiting for quote unquote the one. You're getting on the next available train. Even if that train isn't going straight to your destination, you just don't sit on the platform and complain that you're going to be late. You know, you get on the train that's going closest to where you need to go. And that is what I think everybody needs to keep in mind. No one's perfect from a politician and not even yourself. And at the end of the day, you vote closest to where it gets you to be.
1: I have a, a question. And, and, and Patricia or, or Aaron, have you come across anyone in your network or that you know that is undecided? And who? What have, you, what have you said to them for those that are undecided at this time? Uh, the closest I've I've
2: not come across anyone who's undecided as of late. But when, I'd say about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, when we were working on completing the census in a very hard to count area uh, in New Jersey, we came across someone who had... Uh, was born and raised in that city and had seen the decline of it. He was roughly uh, 50, I think 49 years old he, he was, and he didn't see the point of any kind of civic engagement. So although we were there for a civic engagement with the census, he also didn't see any point in voting either. And so by the time uh, one of our partners in the NAACP finished speaking with him, she was a uh, uh, an activist of the 60s. And and so she's about, she's in her 70s now. And so she met him where he was. And I was just so impressed because he wanted to argue, but none of us wanted to to argue. But we saw his truth as it was. He saw how things had fallen away and what he didn't see was how he could make a difference. And so by the time she explained to him that his count mattered as well as his vote mattered you know she was able to um get him to actually complete the census and he said he was already wow. registered so i i hope that continued into the next stage of wanting to go ahead and vote because we just let him know you know if you if you're not a part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. And you yep, really right. need to do what you can. Then you have a platform to have this conversation. If you if you haven't done anything but just watch, then you you really you didn't do anything to to help the situation. So that's the closest I came to someone who was not uh civically engaged at all. Um we we had more of a census conversation like I said, but I think by the end he was starting to see he had more responsibility than what he was taking.
1: Right. He had a lot of power that he
0: might not have known that he had. Absolutely. Mm. We all do have it. And, you know, I mentioned the baby boomers earlier, but we have the power this year. We are uniquely positioned to have a greater force than any other vote historically. Our vote this year doesn't just give us the power to select candidates and remove a president and Senate that is completely failing us. It gives us the power to carry our demands into key decision-making rooms for future terms and remind all politicians, Democrats, and Republicans just who they serve. Our voice matters. Because, remember, 100,000 baby boomers protested in the civil rights movement, and you know what came out of that. You know, just as those voters capitalized on the voice of those people years ago, we need to do the same. We, too, have an opportunity to vote alongside major movements Calling for an end to racism, voter suppression, corruption, deception, all these conspiracies, the attack on science and women's rights. With that comes the opportunity to flip the switch on everything and immediately following the November election, don't stop, remain engaged. And just let me be clear, the power of each and one of our voices carries weight. We must elect officials that hold our beliefs, not just by a margin, but in mass. Because a mass signals to both candidates, both parties ahead, that these issues matter to us, and we are only going to vote for people that believe the same things we do. If you believe in humanity, equality, and truth, we need you. Literally, every vote counts. Because in the end, our lives do depend on it. Scary? Yes, tiring? Absolutely. But we need to remember that history, to know what's possible on the other side, because we can't move toward a destination we can't see. So, Aaron, I'm going to ask you, what can we all do to encourage others to vote?
3: That's a really good question. Um And I think, uh, you know, there are many different ways we can, but I think what's important um, is that when we see in this moment, right, uh, the 20 million people that took the streets, you know, it's not that hard to mobilize people, right, when things happen. But Organization is totally different than mobilization. And I believe we have to right. focus on organizing um, in our community um, so that when people are, we get people that are fired up, that come out to protest and, and want to see change, we we uh, we not only, we, we welcome that, right? We, we want to see that. But we have to act and set a plan of how do we get the changes implemented. And it's possible. We don't have to sit back and just allow the system to work. That's the way they want us to do. They they don't want us to be involved. They don't want us to be engaged so that they can decide what they do with our taxpayer money, what they can decide to do with our seats. These are, they're they're representing us. And I believe what's important is that when we have people that are fired up, uh, we collectively get them together, we strategize, we create organizations, we create demands. That's what our that's what wow. our ancestors did. They made they made demand the list, you know, these are the issues that are going on. This is how we can get this done. Uh similar to our 10 way, 10 things to do after you say Black Lives Matter, we have to We have to focus on organizing people. And specifically, I love the example that Patricia provided, because I remember specifically being in D.C. two years ago doing some grassroots voter rights work in Ward 8, one of the most impoverished areas. And I remember talking to a young brother and he said, Aaron, you know, they don't think I know what goes on. They don't think I know that our taxpayer money is utilized to oppress us in our community. But he said, Aaron, you know what? You're one of the first people that ever came to me and asked me, how do I feel? What is my experience? And we have a lot of our people living in what I call these valleys that are living in poverty. They're living in uh, touching concerning the criminal justice system. And what we have to do, we have to go and connect with them um, and to, to listen to them, to learn from them and to stand with them. Um, and more importantly, show them how um, their voice, their vote, all of that connects to the universal change that we want. We want to see because there is no reason why our ancestors uh fought, right? The reason why they fought for the right to vote, because they understood that that could be a, a, another tool that could be utilized to make changes. And I, and I love using the example um, of a reconstruction era. I'm from South Carolina. And I remember, you know, during reconstruction, the General Assembly became uh, 70% Black. And during that time, became the first public education system was implemented. During Reconstruction era by General Assembly, that was 70% back. The first public education system, other forms of health care, social security, all those things were laid out during that General Assembly. And, and these were our ancestors that were just removed from slavery. So obviously they were not voting for people that necessarily, um, you know, looked at them as even full human beings. But what they saw was the channel that could be utilized to propel them as a race, propel future generations. And make sure that not only people have things to survive, but thrive in society. So I just I just believe that we have to focus on organizing as we go forward in this movement. I believe we're in the midst of a movement. I believe that this is just starting this fire. But I believe we have to focus on organizing people, meeting them where they are, and specifically looking at in our community, how can we get these concerns that are addressing our community to the city council, to the state legislator, and then, yeah, definitely the federal level. But when we look at this, we look at the city council specifically, right, when we tell people that, yes, this is your taxpayer money, the mayor is deciding the budget for a year, the city council is the voting on it, and your money is dispersed in different ways. And if you don't have a say in that, that's the reason why you're not necessarily seeing change in your community, because we have to ask ourselves, was the turnout rate for city council uh, races? It's very low, not only the turnout, but the weekly um uh, when you have the weekly meetings, people really don't show up to those. So I think showing people really, when we say politics are local, really making that connection and showing them how changes can be made at a local level. Um, I believe it's extremely important. And there's one last thing I know I've been going on a little bit, but I, I think that um, I would just encourage people if they never heard of Septima Clark, she's from Charleston, South Carolina. She's considered the grandmother of the civil rights movement. Uh, she trained thousands of, of of youth and organizers during the civil rights movement on civic engagement, um, she trained Rosa Parks. She trained many other people that we we have gone to to know. She's not known as much, and she should be. But through that intentional education, meeting people where they are, that was pivotal during the civil rights movement, and that's what why we saw so many changes. And we have to get back to those models: being willing to meet people where they are, being willing to provide the resources, um, to help provide education, and, and show people that. You know, like Ella Baker says, strong people don't need strong leaders. Everybody can be a leader in their community and push for the changes that are needed, but we just have to show people the way, especially for us, to have the resources or the knowledge um, and be willing to stand with our people.
0: That, you know, um, educating yourself, you know, meeting people where they're at. Do you all know that during slavery, the most forbidden weapon for slaves was knowledge? Mm. That same mentality exists today. If you don't educate yourself, the system's not going to do it. And the system is going to continue to support and drive the funding to what they want, what they need, and not what you. So voting is very important on all things. And when you mention the town council, my town that I live in, I've lived there for like four years, for the last eight years, the people that sit on the council have run unopposed, Mm. unopposed. And they're just moving in ways that suit them and their friends and their family and not the people that live in the town. But you know, that's another conversation. Um, So Patricia, um, what about you? What do you think we could do and to encourage others to vote?
2: There are a few things that we can do. Um, I I definitely agree with strategizing. There's some things that we should do for this particular election. In addition to, well, prior to voter mobilization, we need to have a double dose of voter education. The first portion would be to, first, first thing we need to do is let people know that they need to Study the whole ballot. We're not just talking about running for who's running for president, although that's a very, very important uh, choice that needs to be made right now. But we also need to remind people of the down ballot races and the public questions. This this general election in New Jersey is going to decide whether or not we legalize marijuana. The um, public question number three. The Institute is endorsing the answer of no to whether or not this amendment goes through that allows uh, redistricting to if, if, well, there's a whole bunch of things on that one. But basically, if the census data comes back late, which at this point it probably won't because of um, <laughs> because the, the administration wants to have it done by December, but if it actually were going to come back late, there's an amendment that's saying that we will use the same census data that we currently have for uh, the the next two years and that's not good data for people of color that's that's not at all I mean and so if we're doing that and we know we're a much more diverse state than we were uh, 10 years ago that's not something that we should do and we have an op-ed dated august 19th written by our director hanel patel and endorsed by legal women voters of new jersey nacp new jersey state conference that all agreed to this and so that's something that if you look at it you just really don't know but you do need to do some research on what you're agreeing to do on um on the ballot and as we mentioned earlier there's senators there's uh House representatives, and just keep going to assemblymen, assemblywomen, state senators, uh, all the way down to the board of education. People need to know who they're voting for, and that's, and also people need to see when uh, people are running unopposed, and they're not somebody that you like. That's something to look at for next time, and say, you know, we need to get some people in here that are going to do something a little bit differently. So that's the first area of voter education. The second one. Because we're in a um, pandemic, we need to let people know how to vote and not saying you vote for this person or that person, but let them know they have five different ways to vote. They can vote by, when they use their vote by mail ballot, they can put it in a postal mailbox. They can put it in a ballot box in their county. They can use, they can take it to the board of elections. They can take it to their polling place on November 3rd and submit it there although they need to look and see where their polling place is because they have shifted because of the pandemic. And then lastly, they can go to the polling place and vote by provisional paper ballot. So there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation going out. And so people, there are going to be some People who have voted for the same, the same way for 40 or 50, 60 years, and they're going to go to their polling place and it's going to be closed. And so we need them, we need to get information to them to let them know that their vote, they can still vote, but we need to let them know where their polling places are. And then lastly, just back to the beginning in terms of mobilization, let people know their votes matter and that they will be counted. But we we do have this double issue of having the paper ballot that people are not used to and also just you know where to go. And so those are some of the things that we need to um, continue with the phone bank so that we can have these one-on-one conversations. We may not be able to go out Publicly, because of the pandemic and safety concerns, but anywhere we can uh, call 10 people and ask others to do the same. Just getting the word to people and letting them hear you, um, and then social media for those that have social media. Get the word out because there's a lot of people that want to activate their their power, and some of them just are not sure how to do it. I'm an adjunct professor at. Uh, This last thing. I'm an adjunct professor at Bloomfield College, and I recently showed them a video by Yellow Pain called My Vote Don't Matter. And they know me well enough to know that if it starts out by saying my vote don't matter, that's not how it's going to end. And so he basically puts all of the complaints of Black people in the front of it. And then for the rest of the video, he describes how we shouldn't just vote for president, government, governor, and mayor, but we also need to vote for the people who are uh, making the laws which are all the people we mentioned before in terms of senators and assembly people in New Jersey, council people all the way down. And the judges, we need to remember, are appointed in New Jersey. We don't, we don't um, elect judges, but they are appointed by uh, the governor. And we need to make sure that then we need to look at the governor and make sure his or her values are lined up in our values. And so there's a lot to unpack. But those are some of the things that um, we need to quickly let people know how important they are
0: and how, how much power they have. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things, Patricia, and I just want to provide people with some information. So visit vote.org or vote.gov. For more information, double-check, triple-check your state's voter ID laws and double-triple-check who's on the ballot. Do your research. Find your polling place. Things have shifted due to COVID and poll worker shortages. So go to vote.org and check it out. Make sure if you're going to show up that day, you show up at the right location. Can I
2: put in a plug for our um, institute website? Yes, um, please well, do. Please. Yes. I'd like those people, those listeners that are in New Jersey, can go to njisj.org dot backslash
3: vote. Thank you, if Can I plug one one quick thing? <laughs> Sorry. Of course. But the one thing I was thinking about with um, um, specifically about the question too is that there was a recent report by the Sentencing Project uh, that showed one in 16 African-Americans across the country cannot vote due to a criminal conviction. And in New Jersey, uh, we, the Institute, our 1844 No More campaign this year restored the right to vote to 83,000 people on probation and parole. And our colleague, Ron Pierce, voted for the first time in 30 years. And uh, he's helped lead the Race Council Reform Alliance for civic engagement. And it includes people that are forming incarcerated on probation or parole. And sitting on that council and hearing from people that have been uh, disenfranchised for so long, uh, their excitement about voting, their excitement about being engaged and having an opportunity. And I think that even when we look at the past of disenfranchisement, it's important to talk about that. But we also have to lift up right now. We have people, millions of people that can't vote. One in 16 African-Americans of adult age cannot vote through a criminal conviction across the country. And we, And they want to vote. And so we have people now that that desire to vote, that want to vote, but are unable to vote uh, due to these barriers. So it's important for us that that do have the right to vote, that we exercise it, um, um, you know, to to not only, uh, you know, utilize our rights, but fight for others that don't have the right. Right. Fight for others that are not represented uh, when we we're talking about these issues, um, and I think that that's the the way that we were able to move 1844 No More campaign as well. We had people that were formerly incarcerated, people on probation and parole. We had people that were, were uh, not involved with you know the system in that way, um, but were voters that engaged, that, that utilized their voting power um, to push the, le- the legislation forward and to make voting rights history. Um, It's 176 years, New Jersey barred people with criminal convictions from voting. And in 2020, that right was restored for people in probation or parole. We're pushing for full restoration, including those that are incarcerated, uh, to join Vermont and Maine. But I think it's also to lift that up, that we have a huge amount of people, especially in the black community, that are not allowed to vote. In Tennessee, 22% of people, of adult age population in the black community, cannot vote due to a criminal conviction near a quarter of. So that so that right there should 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 motivate people as well, that people are still fighting for their voting rights. And if you have it, utilize it uh, to not only make your life better, but others, other lives better um across this country yep. and particularly those that are most oppressed.
2: And we need to let those 83,000 know that they yeah. can now vote because when it had when Ron actually voted it was about it was March 17th and as you know we went right into self uh, quarantine here in New Jersey. So so many of those that are now newly enfranchised still don't know and we need to get that word out.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Patricia and Aaron. I mean, just, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm speechless because this has been such a necessary conversation. When we had our inaugural podcast, you know, we said we were going to keep the conversation going and we will continue to keep the conversation going. We understand that election day is coming very fast upon us, but this is a conversation that that really needs to continue. And to your points and both of your points, it's about education. It's about mobilization. It's about getting our concerns heard. It's about knowing that we have a voice and we have power and we should make decisions that affect our day-to-day because they do affect our day-to-day. And that's where those elections outside of the presidential election take place. Before we close, though, I wanted to ask if you had any closing remarks, and I'll start with Patricia.
2: Well, first, I'd just like to thank you so much, Erica, uh, to, for inviting me to come speak with, with you, uh, you both, you and Yvette. This has been wonderful. I uh, I congratulate you on, on uh, birthing Melanin Pearls. I, I think this is going to really be a a wonderful Um, resource for so many people. I I would just like to encourage people to, well, uh, encourage people to not be discouraged by what they may see right now, but let them know to um, continue to push forward, continue the fight. every bit matters, every vote matters and start if you've not done anything before, you know we're not going to say you know oh well what you should have done start today, start today, start learning about your city. the community you know the community is the best place to start when you want to make a change. you don't have to start at the you know highest level and, and try and you know solve world hunger. Just start by helping your neighbors on the street understand what's going on in the community and encourage them to work with you. So that that would be my, my closing remark.
1: And thank you again. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Patricia. Yes, and Aaron.
3: Again, thank you all so much. This has been an amazing uh, conversation and dialogue about this important topic. I just want to leave with a few uh, few things. Um, since this election um, is mostly, you know, voting by mail or voting via Dropbox or you know, dropping your ballot off, it's important that uh, people track their ballot. Right. So, uh, you know, on as Patricia mentioned, slash vote um, we have information about that. How to track your ballot. We also have information about the signature match issue. Uh, we were able to get. A Ballot Cure Act. So if someone has a signature issue, they'll be sent a cure letter after their ballot and they'll be able to cure it. That's important uh, because you, you wanna make sure that every every ballot is counted. So be on the lookout for, you know, after election day to see if there's additional mail that comes in. Uh, because as we know, this election is not necessarily gonna be decided on, on election, evening, election day evening because of the, the mass vote by mail across the country. Uh, but also with this mechanism, we wanna make sure that people are tracking their ballots um, and making sure that their ballots are counted. And if you have any issues that you run across, um, You know, you can reach out to us. Um, You know, my email is agreen at njisj.org, A-G-R-E-N-E at njisj.org. Or you can call 866-R-VOTE, 866-R-VOTE if you run into any issues prior to the election on Election Day or after Election Day. Um, you Call that number. We have people that are um, on that line from uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day, uh, making sure that voters' issues are accounted for. And and if I could just end with this, um, you know, one of the things that I believe is that, you know, hope is not extinct. Um, I think that, um, you know, with all that's going on, I think it it is possible to fall within some realm of hopelessness, but I I just want to remind people that hope is not extinct. Uh, We've come a mighty, come a mighty long way and we, we have a mighty long way to go. And I hope that people are just finding ways to be encouraged uh, and, 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 and as Patricia mentioned, I think one of the best ways to be encouraged is to look in your community, touching people that you can you can actually reach and help uh, because we 've come far, but we have a long way to go um, and it's important that we we tap into our energy, our power, um, and we look back you know one of the sayings I always utilize is Saint Kofi you have to go back to go forward and i'm always looking back um at the mighty journey not just here in america but you know back to the continent and just historical perspective of especially uh our people and what they have accomplished um throughout this this journey and that's what motivates me that's what keeps me going um not only for myself and for this generation but the future future generations that are coming after us so that's that's the final words i have and i want to thank you again for the opportunity to join you
1: and what powerful words hope is not extinct. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We truly appreciated your wisdom, your advice, and I feel hopeful. Yvette, how about you?
0: I feel I'm more hopeful. I'm so inspired. I'm encouraged. And one of the biggest things that I am after this tough
1: discussion today is I'm empowered. Indeed, indeed. Patricia and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Yvette. I know there may be many of you out there who believe both candidates are just plum terrible. A repeat of 2016 and you simply feel like it's just not worth it. You think by not voting, you're rejecting a system that abuses and denies your worth. So you just don't want to vote. Well, you're not alone. More than 92 million Americans didn't vote in the 2016 election. But before you throw in the towel... I beg of you, please just take a breath, take a moment and pause, disconnect from the barrage of your social media feed, turn off the news and just sit. Sit in your thoughts. Think back over the last four years, how you felt and just how quickly things have turned. Now think about the next four years and what that could mean for our country's future what legacy are we creating? What messages are we sending to all of those who come after us? These past 4 years do not represent any of us or represent what we truly value. What would make you willingly accept to continue under this president with this level of chaos, divisiveness, polarization, violence and confusion? Our country is literally spiraling out of control. Think about it. We can't go nowhere. No other country will even accept us. For the last six months, we've been locked in our houses. We just can't pretend we don't know exactly who and what this president stands for. We know because he's shown us. But what you don't really understand is the system does see your worth and it's afraid of your power. Your value doesn't decrease because someone else can't see your worth. That's why these folks are just doubling down and trying to make it so hard for us, make us all feel powerless, but we're not powerless at all. So if you think about it, not voting isn't a protest as you think it is, it's actually a surrender. Don't let them make you believe that your vote doesn't count. It's so easy to become frustrated with the system. I get it. But the system is broken. Why? Because it was designed that way. And proof? We have decades of voter suppression to prove it. Hours-long lines, polling place closures, strict voter ID laws, student voter restrictions, no disability accessibility, partisan gerrymandering, voter roll purging, and so much more. All of this, all of this is designed to disenfranchise voters, to frustrate and make us not want to vote at all. So plan, November 3rd, bring your folding chair. Bring some reading material, some water, some snacky snacks, and your phone charger. Trust and believe and act like your vote is the one that will make a difference. It's just that important. Don't let them make you believe that your vote doesn't count. Don't let them win. You don't have to be a victim of the system. You have the power to architect it. I tell everyone every day and whoever will listen to me within an earshot, my just cause, the cause for me that drives my life is to help create a world that everyone is treated equally and humanely. A world where it doesn't matter what you look like, what your gender is, or who you love, but you are valued and seen for exactly who you are authentically. I read a couple of days ago that it takes as little as 1% of a population to create positive change. And I really believe, I truly do, that if 100 million people underwent personal transformation in the direction of peace, love, equality, and humanity, the world as we know it will change. John Lewis said it best. Democracy is not a state. It is an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what we call the beloved community a nation and world society at peace with itself. So I ask, are you
1: willing to do your part? And that's our show. Any samples of media remain the property of their owners. Opinions expressed reflect the individual's point of view, not the Melanin Pearls podcast. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes and Spotify. If there's a topic you would like for us to cover, let us know by visiting www.melaninpearls.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we encourage you to visualize your best self.